Church Confessional, your weekly Debo podcast. My name is Jeff Goki, and I am so happy that you have tuned in today. Welcome to episode 21. Hey, listen, uh, we're doing something kind of cool, different this uh, this week, and we're basically breaking down Psalms 100. So if you've not listened to episode number 19, start there. That'll be really helpful so that you get the whole of the passage, kind of where we're tracking and where we're going. I've, I've really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed doing this one. I think a part of it was... You know, a lot of times as I'm going from passage to passage, passage to passage, you know, trying to connect those, feel what those are about. But it's been really nice to kind of take a whole, you know, chapter in Psalms and just work through it. It's saying the same stuff. It's just reminding us of other things and different things inside of that singular thought about we need to be worshiping the Lord. We need to be grateful and thankful for all that he uh, is doing. And and so even as I was thinking through that and, and, and thinking about this particular podcast, I started thinking about the idea of what it looks like for us to be one church. And John 17, 23 says that we would become one. And at some point, I'll pa- unpack that whole passage, a very, very special passage to me, but um, that we would become one so the world will know the love of Christ. And I wonder in this political season that we find ourselves in, in, um, in, a, in a season of social media, in a season of uh, reconciliation, in a struggle in the midst of reconciliation um, within cultures, within um, all these different things, all the different disputes that are happening around the world, I wonder what it would look like for the church of Jesus Christ to really rally around loving each other. And looking to say, listen, it's not uniformity. It's not about uniformity, but it is about, it's about Jesus. And it's about being one in him that we serve the same God. How beautiful. Those who confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so that means something. That should matter. And, and um, I think it, it brought me back this week just thinking about, you know, I had told you in the introductory episode that, you know, I started uh, with some friends and with a mentor of mine started a, uh, a nonprofit called Phoenix One. And, and the goal behind Phoenix One was this, is that we wanted to see the church become one in order to help young adults, millennials, young professionals re-engage with the local church. We, there's, a, uh, there's a very missional part of that passage in John 17, 23, that, that we would become one so that the world would know the love of Christ, that it's evangelistic. And when we come together as one, um, there's something evangelistic that happens that our world sees there's something so much bigger going on. They see uh, a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the way that we're living and loving and caring for one another. And so I was thinking about that and I was thinking about a, a particular night. It was a, my son Cooper had just been diagnosed maybe six months and pretty pretty painful period of time. Um, and we had invited a friend to come out and speak. Um, but I, ha- I had my good friend, Brian Rizal, uh, lead worship that night. And the room was packed. It was hot. So it's in Phoenix. We were in a 120-year-old church that didn't really have air conditioning. So we had to rent all these air conditioning units on stage. I mean, it was really, really hot in the room, really humid in the room. Um, but I remember worship that night. And I'll never forget the worship of that night. That night for me will go down as one of those heaven on earth experiences. It brought me to tears. 
And uh, as I was watching my friend Brian, who's actually our worship pastor here at, at Hillside Community Church in Rancho Cucamonga, watching him lead worship and then watching the 215, 16 churches that were represented that night, all different denominations, but worshiping God, it, 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 it literally brought me to my knees. It, it, it caused me to just go, this is as good as it gets here on earth. You know, just worshiping with one voice. Because I started thinking like, this is a, this is hev- this really truly is heaven on earth. This is what we'll be doing in heaven. <laughs> this is what we're gonna, we're gonna be worshiping like this in heaven together. And I was just blown away and brought to tears and, and thinking like, why isn't, why, why isn't this a reality for us every day? Why has it got to be a moment in a gathering or a moment in, in, uh, on a weekend service? Why isn't this a way that we're living our life? Because it was so beautiful. Everyone in the room, at least from what I could see, was engaged in worshiping the God of the universe. And that's why in Psalms 104 through 5, it says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all the generations. Imagine, imagine all the people of earth who know God, Right? Just maybe again, like close your eyes, uh, find a place to, to just pull over or whatever, or when you get to work or wherever you're at, if you're on a run, just stop for a minute and just close your eyes. Imagine if all the people who proclaim Jesus as Lord and Savior and God as, uh, as their good shepherd and the spirit who is leading them, imagine that they're all in one huge place, all together. I mean, it looks like a sea of people and they're all spread out and they're gathered together and God, the King enters in and the whole place erupts with praise. Can you hear it? Can you hear what that would sound like? The roar that the, that the ground would shake. It would, something would shift and in our hearts, we would sense that we are one and we have one King, one Lord, one God, one spirit triune together. And we're worshiping and celebrating him and thanking him and singing out loud, worthy, worthy. Oh my gosh, he's here. The King is here. This is the vision that John has been given in Revelations 5.12. And it says this in a loud voice. They were saying, worthy is the lamb. Imagine this in this, in this vision of all of God's people together, worshiping him, that they're saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise that we just keep saying that over and over with one voice to one King. What a beautiful picture, right? What a beautiful picture. What does that do for your heart right now? As you just think about that, it's not just an individualistic worship experience. It's the church is one worshiping our one God, Father, Son, Spirit in one voice. 
that we join the chorus of creation in their worship of him. And this is what the psalmist is trying to say, enter into his courts. Imagine as the people of God are entering into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, and we're all praising him together. But the thing I started thinking about was this. Why are we waiting for the realities of heaven when we can bring them to earth? Why are we just waiting for that moment? Like, oh, we'll we'll do that when we get to heaven. But for right now, we'll just kind of wait till Sunday. And even when we come to Sunday, it's kind of like, well, you know, it was all right. You know, it was okay. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's our king. He's worthy of our praise and our worship. And in one voice, Joining with creation, we sing, we bring the realities of heaven to earth and it, and it starts to change things. So then the question is, if we're struggling with our worship, if we're struggling living this out, then why should we give worship and praise? Why should we give worship and thanks? Why, why should we do that? Well, the, the psalmist says this, because he's good, because he is truly good. Goodness exists because God exists. This can be said of no other lower G God. In fact, if you start looking through Greek mythology and all these different, you know, go back through the history of of the gods. Like if you go to India and you start seeing like every 330 million gods, in many ways, the gods are angry and the gods are going to get you. They're very unpredictable. But our God Our God, he's good. That is what we know about him. The God of the Bible has always been about redeeming his people. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. You will be a light unto the nations for the world to see. And even when we failed, his goodness is what redeemed us. He is good. Hey, right now, just right now, proclaim to him that God, you are good. Even in the midst of hard times, in the good times, it doesn't matter. It's not situational. It's a reality. It's who he is. He's good. We have a good God and he is worthy of our praise. Worthy of all of creation's praise. All the universe praises him. The stars glitter in the sky because he created them and because he's good. Secondarily, his love endures forever. Like his love never fails. It has never failed. Even when we fail, his love never fails. And in Romans, it says nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us from his love. Why? Because it doesn't fail. It endures forever. This is only something that God can offer. If you were trying to find this in your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your work, you will be disappointed because they will fail you. They will make mistakes. And that's why we worship God because he, his love won't fail us. We can find complete and utter comfort in the fact that he will never fail us and that his love endures forever, ever. And, and, and the third thing that, that the psalmist brings out is that he is faithful and not just for a single generation, but through all generations, he is faithful. In episode nine, we, we uh, work through the passage, Hebrews 13, eight, which says this, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is faithful, beginning, middle, 
an end. And he, his faithfulness will endure through all generations. That will not change. So if you're struggling with things in your life that are unfaithful, it makes sense to trust in a God who is enduringly faithful, right? He is faithful in every area of our lives, even when we struggle, even when we have our questions, he remains faithful. I have this uh, thought in my mind, this vision of the disciples as they betray him, that he just doesn't abandon them. He's faithful. He doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you missed your shot. Like you walked with me for three and a half years. You had your shot. Sorry. No, no, no. He's faithful even to death. Listen, I don't know about you, but there's sometimes when I go to church and I'm like, what are we doing? Do we really believe what we're worshiping, what we're learning about? There's oftentimes I, I, I sit in church and I, I'm struggling with myself and going, come on, Jeff. Like, what's the deal, man? Why are you struggling so hard? Why, why are you wrestling so much? And I, and I wonder if we really truly banked on the fact that he's good, that his love endures forever, that he's faithful, that our churches would look incredibly different. That our church services, if we actually believed this, would be radically different. We would blow the doors. The earth would shake because we would finally come and understand who God is and how great and how beautiful and how wonderful and how worthy he is that we could not stop singing and proclaiming and shouting and being grateful and being thankful. This is what the psalmist is trying to get us to, to get to. It's like, do you know how good he is? Do you know how loving he is? Do you know how faithful he is? And if you do, and if you do worship, and if you're struggling, repent. Cry out to him. I need to know this. I want to know this. Because when we finally start coming to this reality, we, it's why John 3.16 is so powerful. You ever think about that? Like this verse that people paint on their bellies at, at football games. Like it's why it's a well-known passage. You know why? It's summarizing the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He is good. His love endures forever. He is faithful. And let that radically change our lives. Why wait for heaven? Why wait for heaven? What we can experience here on earth. If we're going to be worshiping him for all of eternity in heaven, why not start now? If we're going to truly understand his goodness and his love and his faithfulness in heaven, why don't we begin to start investigating and understanding what that is right now? So what could you do today that would position your heart to praise and be thankful for his goodness and his love and his faithfulness? 
God, you are high and lifted up, worthy of all praise. Spirit, convict us to live in this reality daily. So take a breath, reflect, and believe the God of the universe is nearer to you than your own. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.